we're going to talk about black people calling each other coons, which was <laughs> which was the title of your latest blog, which I read, which was so. I mean, if anyone reads it, which I recommend, we all know this. We all know how black people talk to and treat other black people that don't go according to the narrative, right? But it's such an important conversation to constantly have. And I'm so glad that you actually wrote that because it's going to continue to highlight those issues within us that stops us from moving forward and breaking the barriers that, you know, that are against us and things like that. So, hi. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you having me on and, and especially about this particular topic. So thank you. My pleasure. So I see, first of all, you have Black Victim to Black Victor book behind you, which is your book that you wrote. Um, Mm -hmm. So please tell us about that. Yeah, so I started writing uh, the book um, not long after George Floyd um, and that incident, which uh, kind of surprised me as to what it turned into. Um, You know, it, it in a lot of ways, it, it turned into like this black reckoning uh, where it became like this white guilt and uh, this constant like uh, narrative talking about the danger of black people and using that incident, um, which statistically is extremely rare um, in, in extrapolating it to the common life of a black person within America, um, which is utterly false. Um, I'm someone who's lived in five states in America. So it's not like I've lived in one neighborhood my whole life. I've lived around white people. I've lived in multicultural areas. I've lived all over the place. And my treatment within this country has been relatively fair. Um, If anything, I've experienced more racial animosity coming from people that look like me versus people who don't look like me. Um, But nevertheless, the, the rhetoric that was going around about George Floyd's situation as being the Black experience, and then all these movements, the BLM movement, um, and and it's just this constant narrative. And I kind of just felt like they were speaking for me, and I got tired of people speaking for me. Um, You know, I leaned heavily on my my faith, um, which, you know, I write about in the book as far as me you know, losing faith, becoming agnostic and, and, and returning to being a, a Christian. And I stopped being afraid. And I just wanted to start writing and speaking for myself. I don't really care if other people don't like it, but I'm not mean about what I'm saying. It's just uncomfortable things that I'm saying and people need to hear it and they need to hear another perspective. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, how I got started with the book. It took me about nine or 10 months to finish it, I self-published it, um, and it's available worldwide. I've sold hundreds of copies. Um, I had no idea if anybody was going to buy it. Uh, you know, a year ago, I was an absolute nobody. Nobody knew who I was. I was just an average person. And so now I'm getting more and more recognized for my writings, uh, whether, whether it be the book itself or uh, just my, my blog posts and stuff like that. First of all, I'm going to include a link to your book where people can get your book in this video because I think it's super cool and super important. What everything that you said before that, I think I could just probably end this video and this (laughs) streaming on that because point by point was 
you hit the nail on the head. The first thing, look, people ask me all the time, why don't you support BLM? And, or why don't, yeah, BLM. The thing is, I didn't not support them. I had no problems with BLM. BLM had, you know, they were there and I was here when they first started, right? Mm -hmm. With Trayvon Martin, even though they did try to make this one size fits all narrative for black people but still it wasn't as invasive in my life as it is now if BLM want to continue the work that they do there's nothing wrong with that there's so many organizations out there that I don't agree with what they are working for what they do or whether even if I agree they are there and I'm here the problem with BLM which is what you've said is that they didn't just come out to fight for police reform which by the way it's more about police abolishment than reform but anyway Mm -hmm. which I don't support they didn't just come out with all these things they wanted to fight for which I can get behind who doesn't want to get behind police reform who doesn't want to get behind equality or more equal status in society whatever reasons they they have for why there are disparities I can get behind that the problem Mm -hmm. like you've highlighted is them coming out and saying well there's these disparities because white people are a certain way to black people because there's a white system against black people and all black people feel this way all black people are afraid of the police and and people keep saying well that's just in the US it's in the UK as well that's the very reason I'm speaking I there's so many movements that have gone on in the US I've never you've never seen me but why that's the main point it it filtered into the UK in terms of policing you know like I always say people get bored of me repeating myself but when we had protests here you had white and black people saying don't shoot we don't have guns so (laughs) we don't have guns so they've taken this narrative and spread this lie all over the world where people have an image about black people I was and I am doing relatively well. And yet people found that this narrative was enough to change their whole perception of me. And as a strong black woman, which is what they're trying to advocate for, right? People Mm. started to feel sorry for me once again and pity me. And that's not something I can can buy into. So I think definitely there is a big issue with this one narrative being pushed amongst us. And when you don't, fit into that narrative what do they call you which you will explore in your moment coons uh, dancing for the white man um and everything else right and that's not fair how can we progress if we are not free to think Mm -hmm. different and i don't like to compare but i see this is how let's say the white community has advanced and maybe why the black community is not advancing because white people they allow themselves even within their families to be free you want to be this you want to be that you want to think like this you know white people allow themselves that individuality and freedom but with black people well-intentioned or not we hold each other back if we have wrong ideas let's discuss it because it's through wrong ideas or a collaboration of ideas that progress true progress comes so yeah absolutely um you know it's the it's the one narrative that creates like um almost like are you with us or are you against us mentality and um and it also lends to not being accountable 
for particular actions. So if one of us does something wrong, we can't be critical because they are part of the they're part of the tribe. Um, you know, in my book, I call it cult-like thinking, you know, because it, you know, cults are somewhat religious, but in, in a typical religion, you can question certain things and it doesn't make you not part of that religion. I can question aspects of Christianity. That doesn't make me an, a non-Christian anymore. But if I question what it is to be black or question the black community or, or you know, the, the trope of blackness, um, I am no longer part of the cult. I'm excommunicated. And I am, I'm going to be someone who's potentially um, uh, seen with disdain or slandered um, or saying that I am now excommunicated and now I'm, I'm trying to be part of the other cult. Um, whereas they're, they're not seeing that I'm trying to make the group better by casting out the bad behavior Casting out the the you know not just the bad behavior but the the bad reactions the emotional state uh, the flaws I'm pointing out the flaws you know it, it would be like um, we wouldn't expect a company to grow they can't notice that they're failing in certain departments that company's going to fail and if people are talking about the black community becoming better and black people doing better. How can you do that if you can't point out the flaws? Just logically speaking, if you say it can do better, that means it's not at its optimal. So if it's not at its optimal, something is wrong. Well, what is wrong? And if you can't criticize what is wrong within the fold, then it'll never get better. And if you can't hear different opinions, and if you can't remove emotion from the subject just for a minute so we can talk about the logic, then we'll be able to, to do stuff like that. But if you can't do it, then nothing will ever change. Exactly. I mean, why, why do you think it is like that? Do you, have you ever thought about why there is this cult-like, you know, behavior within when we want to? Because, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you realize that we are all one when we choose to, but then if you're you know, in some aspects, you're not. And I will explain better. When, when all this rhetoric came out about Black people being hunted down, being hard done by because of white people, you mm. know, there was this, everyone, British Black people stand with American Black people and so on and so forth. But now that they've seen that actually not all Black people think and feel the same, then what happens? You become excluded because you're not a certain thing anymore. So, well, you can't speak because you're Black African, a Black immigrant, or mm -hmm. though you're American, you're not in the line of this, the descendants of... Like, there's always a certain criteria to right. exclude you from the conversation because they don't want to hear your input or your opinion. So what is with this con contradictions and why do you think there is this sort of let's all think the same and this us versus them mentality. Um, so the, the simplest thing is that because we are an extreme racial minority, mm -hmm. it naturally creates a, um, a bonding situation where people feel like that they have to bond together. Um, though there are like, say for, let's say Chinese Americans, there, there are less of them than us, um, Japanese Americans, stuff like that. Um, 
they're able to bond around certain cultural aspects, which are seen as normal. But um, I don't, I don't know if it's, I'm not Japanese or Chinese, but I don't know if it's to the level of excommunication, um, you know, as what, what it, we're currently experiencing. The other part of it is that there are outside forces that are promoting it as well. Um, so when I say outside forces, I mean more so white liberals who are promoting this, this way of thinking, this way of expectations for Black Americans. And there are the Black elite. And, you know, whether it be, you know, the Al Sharptons of the world or, um, you know, people who are up in, in uh, you know, Millionaires to Billionaires or Oprah, for example, who are now promoting this way of thinking, this, uh, you know, the oppression game, uh, you know, people like to say the race baiting game, um, which is filled with hypocrisies, especially coming from the most influential, the wealthiest black people to ever exist in mankind to turn around and pretend that they're victims and that their success is a rarity because they just happen to slip through the cracks of oppression. Um, to me, I think is, is absolutely ridiculous, but to kind of go back to why it, it turned into what it is today, the only thing I can assess is that when the civil rights movement had a win when it came to getting rid of Jim Crow laws, what happens is you now created an industry. Um, so while it was a positive to get rid of Jim Crow laws because they are um, the opposite of what our constitution allows for, you know, you shouldn't be able to control people based off of their skin color and tell them what they can and can't do. That is not freedom. Getting rid of that brought it to a, a status that is equal to everybody else, simply in the eyes of the government. You can't control people, but simply in the eyes of the government, and that's what was needed. But you would imagine if a large group of people are able to convince one of the most powerful governments in, in human history to change its stance, and fight on behalf of them, that gives them a, a level of power. And then you look at the assassination of Martin Luther King and who's one of his right-hand men, Jesse Jackson. And Jesse Jackson uses that, um, that power that they realize if we do a collective movement, if we do this you know, a black movement, that wasn't our way of moving about life before. Overwhelmingly, we were Christians. And we moved Christian first in a, in a Christian manner. And we were overwhelmingly family first. We were forced to think by race, simply by the way we were treated and by the way that laws were. You can't, you can't ignore race when it says colored only, right? You can't think colorless when you have to live on the black side of town. You, you, you don't have that luxury to do that. But when that is over and people are telling you, don't forget that, still live that way. Nothing has changed. Meanwhile, that same person is colluding with the same political party that was all about those laws about 10 years before. Jesse Jackson ran for president, I want to say in the 1980s. And he was around 15 years before when the same Democrat party was looking to um, you know, had the longest filibuster in U.S. history to stop the Civil Rights Act. So that same person who would probably look me in my face and tell me that I'm a sellout 
is the one who's literally selling out to the Democrat Party, you know, a hand, a couple handful years later to run to become president on the Democrat ticket. And what does that tell you? It tells me that there is a, a major flaw. There is a lot of manipulation that's going on and they're utilizing race as a factor to control people and to control the way they think, how they move. Uh, and, they, and, and all that does is divide us. So for people like us, where we want to think for ourselves, we want to um, take advantage of the successes of the civil rights movement of allowing for black people to do for themselves, think for themselves, think separately and, and um, you know, choose the life that they wanna live. There are people who are actively saying, we should go back to that. There are people today that you hear arguing how maybe we shouldn't have gotten rid of segregation. You know, you know so it's, it's that type of poisonous thinking that I think is fostering this idea, you're, you're either with me or against me, or if you like, let's say, for example, we look and white people are succeeding left and right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why don't we do what they're doing? They're succeeding. Ah, you're trying to suck up to the white man. Why are you trying to be like them? I don't know, because they're living good. They're eating well. Their families are together. Everything seems pretty good on that side of the fence. Meanwhile, over here, we're so enamored with doing our own thing in our own way, but it's not working. And pre-civil rights, we were actually doing it more so their way. We just had the goddamn government who was standing in our way. And now we've been told that in order to succeed, we have to succeed in a particular way. It's a failing way. And you have, this is what part of the reason why I'm not for the uh, Black Lives Matter, because the organization is about destroying the nuclear family. And that to me is the number one reason why we have the issues that we have within America. The nuclear family was the original structure within the community. And I I see it like this, starting from the family, it goes out into the community. And from the community, it goes out into the rest of the population. That's how you affect culture. You know, it's individual family community. We're telling people, don't be an individual. So you can't change the individual. We're telling people, forget the family, only focus on race, right? Only what the collective does, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we've been practicing. So powerful. I don't even know how to start to pick apart what you've just... <laughs> the first thing I want to say is when you mentioned, okay, let's look at white people and see what they're doing because they're succeeding. And the problem or the problem black people find with that is that, Mm -hmm. so, well, we don't want to do it the white way, their way. Mm -hmm. And the problem I have with that is that it's not a white way. You know, it's a way that has been proven to work in terms of finding success, you know, in terms of achieving things. And moreover, it's not a white way because we see when some black people do employ that kind of behavior, attitude, mindset, not that kind of, but a particular behavior, mindset and and attitude, they go places. When Chinese Mm -hmm. people employ that, they go places. When, you know, South Asians employ that, they go places. So it's not a white way. It's not a, a white system. 
hard work, familiar family values. Um, right. These things are not white things, right? And that's why many black people are stuck. I've even heard things like, well, I don't want to be in this institution because it's a white in- institution. For example, the police institution, which if mm-hmm. you want to make a difference, then why not enter the place where you are complaining is, is, is unfair to your group to mm-hmm. be that, you know, that change instead of complaining about it. They don't end even minor things, which CRT alludes to, such as scientific method is, is racist in short. Math, right. as we've seen, is racist. Going on merits is racist. You know, I watched, um, I forgot who he was now. It's someone very popular, but I've, I, it escapes my mind. And I, I watched him say that the English exams, this mm-hmm. SATs, we call it SATs here. The exams are racist, you know, because, and I'm going to quote him, Umar Johnson, that's who he was. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. No, I I actually find him very intelligent when he speaks, but he was completely wrong in this and many other things, in my opinion. But he said this. I forgot who was speaking to him, but I'm going to explain and people can find it. It's it's available online somewhere. But he said, because in English and the English exams, there are many words there that black people and many black families don't use in their day to day lives. So it throws them off. And I was thinking, me personally, the reason why I know certain words is through reading, it's through personal study, and not because my mom or dad use it at home. So that's a completely stupid argument because Chinese Americans or British or whoever, <laughs> many, yeah. like some of my the doctors I've been to, I don't understand how they pass some of the exams because I, I don't personally understand them. And that's not mm-hmm. being racist, but that's the truth. But they knew what they needed to do. They studied, they worked hard, they achieved, and now they are our doctors today. So instead of going from the back and say, well, it's racist, there's not a lot of doctors because the system is racist and doesn't want black doctors. How are people using their time, using their, their, their how are they trying to achieve in the system is what I'm trying to say. But they're not, they're, they're separating it, saying, well, that's the white way. English is a white system. Maths is a white system. Forgetting that in countries like Africa, in Africa, which is where mm-hmm. I was born, we, we use maths to build things. We use maths, physics to come up with new things, ideas to help our countries to build our roads and things. <laughs> and so how is it exactly a white system? You know, and that's my main problem. Um, let's talk about that. Now, <laughs> in terms of political parties using and manipulating black people, mm-hmm. I mean, that's so obvious. You guys have the Democratic Party, the party in the UK that likes to utilize identity politics is called the Labour Party, which is mm-hmm. left centrist leaning party, whatever. And now, what I'm seeing now is that the black skin is almost like a ticket for people to get what they want. Right. And that is what I don't understand that people can't see. Recently, we had, which is something I was talking about recently on my social media, we had a, I don't know if you heard about it, we had the football match, football tournament in, the, in oh, Europe. Yeah. 
So just yeah. a fair warning. I'm a huge, huge football fan. So you don't, you don't have to ask. I watch every single game. I watch all the Premier League games. I'm a Chelsea fan. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> you will get yeah. along with my brother then. You'll get yeah. along with him very well. Absolutely. I, I don't care about football now. I used to. I have three brothers. I used to play. I've been told that I'm actually quite good at football. But, you know, I've pursued other interests. So I, <laughs> I actually only watched the final match. And that's because my partner's Italian and Italy was playing. So I was like, let me just watch it. But so I, I don't know if you heard what happened after, yeah. you know, the three black players missed the penalties, whatever. And they were subject to racial abuse. Some I believe was really legit. And, you know, of course it's unacceptable. I am not convinced that it all was. I, I, I just, I'm not. And the reason initially I wasn't convinced is because I knew that social media giants were trying to, and they're already doing it, but I believe they want to do it more explicitly. They want to find a way to access our DMs, our private messages, and then they explain it's because they want mm. to stop online abuse and, you know, protect us, right? right? But of course, you know, I don't, I've never trusted governments and big corps when they're always trying to protect us. Right. So when all this racial abuse happened online, I was like, hmm, something is off here. You know, we've had BLM for the past um, four, six years. You know, you think things are getting better and racial progress is getting better. And yes, I don't know, you're a football fan, but I feel mm -hmm. this is the worst racial abuse that's been received on like just on a concentrated amount of time. And it was in all our headlines and everything. And then to cut a long story short, one of the players then released a statement on Instagram saying, look, he's disappointed, you know, he's and and the rest of it. But then at the end, it became, well, Facebook and Instagram needs to do more and should do more. And it's unfair. I don't want my brothers and sisters to go through what I'm going through. And I'm like, I get that. But it's like if they are using his skin color to try and usher in a way to do something else, then that's wrong. And yeah. that's what I want to go back to what I was saying in the beginning. I don't mind people fighting for what they need to fight for, but tell me it. Don't yeah. tell me that you're fighting for this, but what you actually want to do is something else, such as dis dismantle the nuclear family, which is a Western thing, apparently, that they said. It's not a Western thing, <laughs> because it's one of, like you said, it's one of the very basic principles in my native culture, the family, that yeah. until today, if you don't have that, you know, traditional family unit, you can be seen as an outcast. Maybe not openly, but they can have opinions until today in my culture. And I'm from Africa, which is not a Western place. So they, you know how they use these buzzwords and people think, yeah, it's, it is a Western white system or white um, makeup. It's not. It's, right. a, it's a human. It's a way that humans have seen has worked for decades and we want to actually carry it on. So don't say that you want to fight for my race and fight for um equality but you actually want to do a lot of other things and we're mm -hmm. seeing what those other things are little by little they're beginning to come to light but yes yeah, some black people are still not seeing it and when you go against the narrative like you said they have the audacity to call us all the names all under the sun instead of seeing that the people who are meant to be for them 
are mm-hmm. using them like a booty call, as someone has said. <laughs> like nothing. They get what yeah. they want. They wash their hands and they go. They use the next. They keep using us because they realize that they can continue to use us. And I understand that there's been a lot of racism. There is still a lot of racism in a, in a lot of areas, whether that's institutionally, whether that's interpersonally. I understand these things. But to say that we are a certain way be, as a group, and you can tell my, you can tell me that I'm oppressed and I'm struggling, and you don't know anything about my life or personal decisions that may or may not have contributed to that personal struggle. I think it's a problem that I believe me and you have with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, to go back a little bit on the football part, uh, one article that I saw talked about the racial abuse. But one of the things that they mentioned and they were saying it's the fault of everybody else because it doesn't suit the narrative is that most of that abuse didn't come from the UK. Yes. It, it came from the Middle East. Yes. It came from other nations. India was another one. So here they are. They want to, the, the UK government is trying to figure out ways to, to, you know, stop racism within their own land. Yet that wasn't even coming from them. You know, it, it, but it doesn't suit the narrative because nobody with brown skin could ever be, uh, you know, a racist or a bigot or anything like that. How is that possible? No, no idea. Um, it, it's, uh, it's so weird to me because on one hand, um, you know, the whole thing about white supremacy, the people who say it really believe that whites are superior because when they're telling you that, uh, you know, well, science is white supremacy. So you're saying that you're giving all the credit to white people as far as creating science or reason, uh, you know, into, you know, intellectualism, um, mathematics, you're giving all the credit to these people. Like, wow, that's, that's some real, that's a real stretch that you're going there. Well, just sorry, yeah. don't forget what you're saying. But that's my problem. There's so much in contradictions within our community. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard black people say that we invented maths and science. So how can maths and science now be a white thing used to oppress us and keep us down? Right. Right. You know, ideas are just. I wish we could move away from ideas being associated with a particular group. And that's the problem when we talk about cultural appropriation. There are so many things that we utilize that we don't even realize that was invented by someone that had nothing to do with us or look like us, not even from our country. It doesn't even matter. Like, for example, um, you know, Thomas Edison, you know, uh, or, or let's say um, not Thomas Edison. We'll go with um, Ford, Henry Ford, mm-hmm. first manufacturer vehicle in the UK. You guys make Range Rovers, right? Oh, you're culturally appropriating American. Like, no, that's not what happens. Someone comes up with an idea, then people improve upon it, and they they share that information around the world, or they share it with people to improve upon it. Imagine if the Japanese never got into the car market because they said, well, that's an American thing. Then we would have terrible cars. That's how you create competition. Like, all of these different things, you know, I really, really wish that we could remove race or even culture from certain ideas. We can recognize possibly where something came from, but it doesn't, they don't have ownership of that idea. If Africans were doing something that was really powerful and useful, guess what? 
Europeans are going to see that like, hey, that's a better than the stuff that we're doing. Why don't we do that? That's what you want. And in in reverse, if there are uh, if there are cultures, if the Germans are doing something, matter of fact, we did stuff like that. While the Nazis were in power, we took their scientists because we were like, listen, we don't like the Nazis, but these guys are doing something really good. Come over here and let's start the Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. We appropriated Nazis over here to do <laughs> but that. But that's human nature. Human nature is always trying to improve. We are collaborative, you right, know, and it, 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 it's not just removing certain ideas um, or not linking certain ideas just to race. It's anything. Stop linking behaviors or attitudes to race, repeating myself, stop saying this is a white thing or this is a black thing, because that does not make sense. And even things like only white people can be racist, not black people, like you said, not brown people, which again, it depends which kind of brown, black, white person you are, because our home, our home secretary in the UK, Priti Patel, is brown and -hmm. they call her racist all day long. Right. They call her racist because she's a conservative. Right. right. She's in the right party. So she's a racist. Anything she says is racist. When she came out in um, solidarity with the players who suffered this abuse online, they called her a racist. So it depends the kind of black or white. They've called I've been called a racist, the bootlicker, whatever, mm-hmm. for, for the white man, because I'm not the white type, the right type of black person, according right. to them. So it's removing this. You can because you, you're this and you can't because you're that. It doesn't matter. We are all capable of anything, any kind of behavior, having any kind of attitude. And I think many Black people in our community need to understand that. Disagree with me all you want. Mm-hmm. You, you can not like my ideas, but it doesn't have to link to you're a true Black person or you're not a true Black person. Right. It's this... Um... It's so weird because we always tell people not to believe stereotypes, but literally there are people who want us to become the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know the the idea of cooning uh, or you know wanting to be like someone else. For one, I just want to be myself, and two, I want to do things that work. Right? If someone, if there are Chinese people that are doing something that works, why not emulate them? Because guess what? When they come, when they immigrate to America, they look around and they say, to be successful here, you got to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. They don't go and protest and say, you need to be more like China, the place that I just came from. That's ridiculous. Oh, you know what? You just made me think about something. So there is this demonization of a word called assimilation, right? If I, as as an American, move to Germany, I would look ridiculous if I told them, you guys are doing it wrong. You need to be more like an American, uh, be more like America. And I'm going around and telling them that, uh, you know, you need to change this and change that to suit my needs. Otherwise, you're not listening to my voice. No, you would expect me to move there and assimilate with the culture and assimilate with the German culture. In America, we have an American culture. We have multiple cultures within American culture, but we have certain standards that people have set. When you go and say, no, those standards aren't good enough, or like Umar Johnson saying, hey, the SATs are racist, and because Black people don't use these words, 
Well, then use the words, learn the stuff. If immigrants with nothing can come to this country and figure that out, why is it that black people who have been here for uh, generation after generation, who have been here longer than even most white people that have been here uh, lineage wise, why can't we figure that out? Why can't we, why can't we assimilate? Why can't we succeed? And people are always talking about having success, but what they want to do is change the meaning of success. They want success in a particular way, in a certain way, in a Africanized way, as what they think in their head. But in reality, you're an American, and there are American standards, and there are American uh, situations that you have to assimilate to, right? So if you break the law, it, like for example, if you attack a cop, it does not matter if you're black or white. There are certain standards. You go to jail, right? If you pull a gun and shoot at a cop and he shoots you back, he doesn't care if you're black or white. There are certain standards. You go to jail, right? You go to jail does not make you a victim when you put yourself there. You know the standards. But now we have people who are advocating that we change the rules. We soften the punishment for black people. We lower the expectations. And all it is, is just insulting to me because what they're saying is that one, we're incapable of doing it. Two, we're somehow special and different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And now we have to coddle them, care for them. You know, I, I just, um, it'll probably be published um, this upcoming week for Schoon TV, which by the way, um, I'm officially a weekly contributor for Schoon TV. So awesome. I'll be writing articles for them. Um, but it's called the, it's, it's difficult to say, the infantilization of Black Americans, right? This mindset that white liberals, or some, let me clarify, some white liberals have where they think that they need to coddle us, but really all they're doing is hindering our progress. You know, lower the expectations, give them affirmative action, because let's just give them a leg up. Let's lower the standards hey, I know that Jacob Blake went into that woman's house and sexually assaulted her and came out with a knife and the police were trying to arrest him and he was resisting arrest. And so he, and he also had a baby in the back seat and he was about to drive off with, that's not his. But don't shoot him. Don't try and stop him. Don't try and punish the man that has literally been terrorizing one person and are now about to endanger another child, don't punish him. He's now a martyr. Lower the expectations of what is expected of Black people. And all that does is perpetuate the same stereotypes that they want us to live up to. They want us to be in the ghettos, right? So that we can always point and say, oh, the white man put us here. Well, change it. No, we, don't, we can't change it. They have to take us out. They have to put, so you want them to take it out of the project and what put you in government housing? Well, that's, isn't that the same thing? That's, that's how you ended up where you are. Do for yourself, look within your community and do, do for each other if that's what you feel is necessary. Improve, you know, it, it's like this, um, it'd be like watching football and the team is losing. And then they say, stop the game. Let's go to the ref. We're going to change the rules because we feel like, it is being biased against us. And the ref is like, no, there are rules. You have to compete against these rules, make it work. And we're sitting here arguing with the ref 
as to you need to do something different for us because somehow we're egotistical and we're special and we're somehow different and we need special recognition. That is the point. You know, that, that's why I go back to like reparations. What is the point? We have people who win the lottery. They end up broke a few years later and they got millions of dollars. Do you think that money is going to change anything? It's not. All it's going to do is increase inflation for us and you're ultimately going to lose it. Why? Because you don't know how to hold wealth because you don't know how to create wealth. We need to create a generation of young black people to put themselves in a position to create wealth, to create something, to create industry, entrepreneurship, whatever it takes. That's what literally everybody else does, not just white people, any other culture that comes to this country. That's why they come to this country because we do have the freedom to do it. I can start a business in five minutes. I can go to IRS's website and start a business and start doing whatever I need to do. That is how easy it is to become an entrepreneur in this country. Yet people want to say, I can't do it because of, I can't do it. Well, try, try. Try and stay consistent right. and hold yourself accountable. I right. love, I love the word you use, create, create for yourself. Right. Don't look to someone else to create something to help you create for yourself from yourself. That's true ownership. Right. You know, I'll talk about assimilation in a small while, but this whole, the white person or the white system, and I speak very candidly because that's what many black people say. Mm -hmm. This needs to change. They need to change for us to be better. You know, that is true belief in white supremacy, in my opinion, because you believe that only they have the power to change or act in a certain way or not act in a certain way to affect your outcomes in life. But I do not believe that. For me, there's no correlation. Mm -hmm. I understand that good governmental systems, good, you know, um, good policies affect your life. And that's why you said people go to America. That's why many people flock to the UK because we have good structure. Bureau bureaucracies are good compared to many countries in Africa, in Asia, where they don't have good ways ridden with corruption and things like that. So right. I, and that's why people, that's a very clear reason why people don't do well in these countries because they, they have very bad policies. Inflation is through the roof. We can see what's happening in Cuba now, right? So right. I understand that, but there's a difference. You can't, there can't be so much reliance on what the government can do while you are waiting for whatever system to change anyway. What do you have that you can make that you can make use of, you know? And I think there's not a lot of emphasis about that for black Americans and black British people who are born here, who have, who, who have literally everything at their disposal and can't use it. And you find someone who came from real poverty. And I mm -hmm. like to emphasize real poverty where there's no iPhones, Android, there's no, you have to walk, you know, in my, where, where I was, I lived okay. But let me tell you how we got water sometimes. We had a private um, well, you know, and we had to go there, you know, use the bucket, draw the water, go back home, boil the water to purify it, and then drink the water. Mm -hmm. Tell me how I get water here in the UK. 
just turn that faucet. <laughs> so, you know, we people here have everything, and maybe that's the problem. Too much, it is the problem. Too much inconvenience gives you a lot of time to think about stupid things that you shouldn't be thinking about, right? Yeah. I, sorry, yeah. no, I was gonna say like microaggressions, mm-hmm. <laughs> like who cares? Honestly, that, that, that's like, um, you know, when our when our grandparents were fighting wars, right? You think they cared about microaggressions? You, you think they cared if the guy next to them said the most appropriate, most politically correct thing to them? No. I think it's part of human nature where people are always trying to find some sort of flaw. Mm-hmm. And now we, we take it because, we, because the common person doesn't have to fight anything, really. Um, even the people who are in the military, the extremely small percentage of them, and they're the ones who have a more realistic look at the world yeah. because they go into places that are extremely unfortunate, where it's dangerous, and they get a real look at when a bullet's flying past your head, that changes your perspective on things. Mm-hmm. But us, we have the luxury of letting the 1% of the population fight everything for us. And we can sit back here and complain about uh, you know, what my gender is, or if somebody was nice to me, or you know, all, all these other things that really ultimately don't matter. No. Um, yeah, so I think that we are so fortunate that we're too fortunate. And, and one of my articles, I, I basically lined Americans up as in the world stage, we are the spoiled Beverly Hills kids <laughs> who are complaining about how life, how tough life is, right? That, but we are ultimately the 1%. We're the, the 1% world. of the world. And we're over here complaining about how we can't do stuff. Well, the poor disenfranchised people, you wanna see disenfranchised? We have no world perspective. You have, you know, with I, all due respect, yeah. I, you know, I started, um, I started traveling a bit. And granted, I didn't go to like the most crazy uh, place. I didn't go to like, you know, Sudan or something like that where people are struggling. But, you know, I started traveling throughout Europe. And that, that alone, even though I'm traveling throughout like Western Europe or even Central Europe, gave me another perspective. Uh, I went to London, by the way. Uh, to see to see Chelsea play Manchester City. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. What happens is you start to have a, a different perspective. You start to talk to people. And even when I was in other countries, you talk to people who were immigrants to those countries too. Um, you know, I was in Portugal and I was having conversations with uh, people who were from Tibet and just figuring out what their perspective was like. And I, I kind of feel like in America, we have... I think the highest amount of immigrants that come here on a yearly basis, our immigration is through the roof. And we're just talking about legal immigration, but we don't talk to those people. We don't find out why America, why did you come here? And they'll tell you why. Oh, I came here from El Salvador because the gang members are going around and they're taking all the boys and they're threatening everybody. They're taxing everybody. And if you don't pay, they'll kill you. Like it's not a threat. They, they kill people. And that's, that's why we decided to leave. Oh, like, oh, it makes perfect sense. We don't have that nonsense here. Get it. Understood. You know, what made you come from Africa? What made you come from Asia? Why did you leave China? What, what you know, we yeah. need to listen to, to the immigrants of our Western countries, of the UK, of America. And they'll tell you exactly what the world looks like outside of here. We are in a bubble and people don't realize it. 
We have the luxury in America to not have to get a passport and we can go and experience all different types of terrains. Go on one side of the country, have the desert, another side, go to the mountains. We're spoiled in that regards. And even when we go and travel, they make American enclaves, right? You can go to Jamaica and never see a freaking Jamaican unless they work at the resort that you're going to. Mm-hmm. You know, so we live in an isolated bubble where everybody's always catering to us. Everybody wants our money and everything is always good. And we never leave that resort. We never walk around. We never take a look. We never ask the questions and see how harsh reality is. And this is a yeah. 21st century reality that we've become so fortunate that we're so spoiled. And we think that the rest of the world is just like here. Exactly. I think that's a powerful point and you know that that is the point reality is harsh for everyone right. you know and can be very harsh and let me tell you something it's not harsh to you because you're black it's right. just as simple as that things aren't happening to you purposely because there's some big vendetta that the world or even white like no one's thinking about us the only people doing that is people who find that they can use your skin color to manipulate you everyone mm-hmm. else is trying to do their own thing And it's so important. We have to speak to people and listen to what they're saying. It doesn't mean you need to change your beliefs or your opinions or whatever. I have a lot of friends, actually good friends, that don't agree with the word I say. But they can listen and understand so that they don't become dogmatic and stuck in their bubble. And I love having friends like that because... I have very strong views. I'm a very big believer that it's your mindset that is a bigger contributor to where you end up in life than some system, even if you live in a country with a bad system. And I will die on that hill. But if you think otherwise, I can listen to you. I can understand why you think the police are hunting you. I can understand, but some people are just so unwilling to even understand where we are coming from without calling us all the names under the sun. Right. Right. So that's that's the problem. And in terms of this whole, you know, people in the UK and the US, they do live in this unrealistic bubble. And they think, especially the social justice warriors, they think every injustice in the world is because of the UK and the US and what they've done and colonization. And the biggest example is what's happened recently in Cuba and BLM have come out and said that it's Americans fault. And they're -hmm. they're completely ignoring that this country has been under dictatorship for God knows how long. And it's when people say stupid things, you know, about Africa or Africa is like this because of white people. You don't want to talk about the corruption that's going on in there now. You don't want to talk about how our politicians are using and misusing their own people constantly. They never want to talk about that, you know, and then when when they do somehow acknowledge it what do they say well it's the white man that made them that way so we are just we are just what just clueless mindless people that are incapable of good or evil we're just drones and whatever the white man does is how (laughs) what is like i i i will never be able to reconcile with this kind of mentality yeah it's kind of funny too because some of those people will talk about black excellence and how Uh, you know, they have like this revisionist history that we created everything and we've done all this stuff. And that's real. That was really us. So on one hand, we're the greatest, smartest, most powerful people that ever existed. But somehow every single time we get tricked by these white people (laughs) every single time. And, and it's that, that kind of thing that I always, I always find 
uh, kind of funny because it doesn't it doesn't gel whatsoever. Um, you know, people are people are people. It doesn't matter what you look like. There's, you know, I, actually, I want to go back a little bit because you talked about mm -hmm. institutions and people getting in institutions. Uh, one of the big lie that was sold to Black Americans was that part of the reason why we were oppressed by the government is because there's not enough government representation. And, you know, during the research of my book, I, I looked at everything, uh, everything that I could possibly think of. I, I just looked up statistics, looked up all different types of information. And there are cities in America that you can use as a great example of how that doesn't work by itself, right? You can look at Baltimore. Baltimore is the best example. Uh, black mayor, uh, black district attorney, uh, black judges. Um, most of their, I want to say over half of their city council is black. Majority of their police force is black. They have a black police chief. Everybody who is in government in a major position is black, right? Overwhelmingly, it is a black city, yet they have terrible results all the way around. Crime is through the roof. Murder, murder rate is among the highest in the country. Um, their literacy rate is abysmal, mm -hmm. right? And why is that the case? Because there's, there's so much corruption, there's such high amounts of administrator costs within the government. Then people say, well, it's, it's poor because people aren't getting enough money. They're not getting enough money from the government. There's not enough money that goes to these schools. Baltimore, I think has, it's whether maybe it's like in the top five, I wanna say it's like the second highest in the country as far as funds they receive per pupil. So that's where like that systemic racism viral video that went around the cartoon video saying, okay. well, Tom lives on this side of town yep. and Bobby lives on this yep. side of town. Yep. And, and they have this, you know, uh, um, differences because they're not receiving the same amount of money. Yep. Yep. The white parts of Maryland are getting less than the black parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So these suburbs are getting less per child versus the, the child that's in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And yet it is not receiving the same, not, not even the same near the same results there it is far and wide how terrible the school system is within baltimore but what do we tell people well just put more government in place mm -hmm. and so my my whole point I, and i put this in the book uh, is a chapter called the over reliance on government just because it's a black person in power doesn't mean <laughs> that they're incapable of being corrupt yeah you, you know you you mentioned that there's parts of africa in certain countries where they have overt corruption, bribery, stuff like that happens all the time. They're black too. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change anything. You know, when you put certain people in power and they know that you won't check them mm -hmm. because they are black, yep. then they're going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. They're like, I, I give the, the situation of that mayor, the mayor of Baltimore. Do you think he lives in the hood? <laughs> no. He probably, he probably drives a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW and he lives in the suburbs. Why? Because he knows that his city is freaking dangerous. He would never live there. And he has the economic means to not live there. And that should tell you that class matters, not race, class. Because yep. as soon as these people get enough money, they go to, and, and I don't, and I, I'm not shaming him. No. You should. Yeah. 
you should go to the safest place, the place that has the best possible outcome for your children. That's where you should live, right? But the problem is they come back to the city and want to talk about racial unity and how the white man is this and the white man is that. Meanwhile, they're living right next door. That's why I talk about the hypocrisy of LeBron James. Yeah. Who wants to say that you never know if a cop is going to wake up one day, just feel like kill somebody. Meanwhile, who do you think escorts him into these arenas across the country? Police officers. It's the most nonsensical bullshit that, that happens and no one sees it. LeBron James got way more popular, got way more clout when he started wearing his hoodie for Trayvon, when he started becoming some sort of activist. Then he started overstepping because now he thinks that this is how you, this is how you gain notoriety. Now, th all of this, all of this is either for clout or for some, type, some sort of financial gain when it comes to these elites who, who push this nonsense. And I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but. No, but yeah. no, no. It, it's, it's, such, <laughs> it's such a good point. And unfortunately, I feel Black people are the only race, you know, that do this thing of we need to be in power for results to happen. Right. I, don't, I don't see Chinese people doing this when they. Have, they they have zero, uh, uh, they have, I don't want to say zero, but they have mm -hmm. literally barely any representation within government, yeah. yet they're among the most successful. That's my point. That, that, that should tell you something. Um, South Asians, I, I don't, I've never heard in my life, you know, South Asians saying we need more of our people in power, you know, and, and you know, and some demographics within the South Asian communities do well you know, and, and things like that. But Black people seem to feel that having some, and Booker T. Washington spoke about this in his book. Mm -hmm. he, he, he said that was one of the biggest downfalls within in the Black culture, that they were so obsessed with getting into power and getting into the government instead of learning trade, instead of right. learning things that actually pays your bills, right? right? Not, I need to be this, I need to be this mayor or councillor or whatever because that's what's going to bring a difference. It'll bring a difference for you, for, for you, like you said, they will mm -hmm. get paid, but that's not the answer to your group's problems. The answer right. to your group's problem is the first thing I said, your group. Forget about your group. Work on yourself. Focus on yourself because when you focus and better yourself, then you can be a good addition to your group. You can pass on the knowledge, the expertise, whatever. And that's how it, it trickles. That's how wealth is formed, like you said. You right. know, I, one of my friends, um, he mentioned, well, there's billions of billions of pounds. He was talking about pounds, in, but I'm sure you will relate to this, in, mm -hmm. you know, in, 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 in the system. And... 70% of white people have access to it and only 30% of black people. Well, that's not fair. White people need to basically let up. And I'm thinking, mate, I'm thinking, why not? Instead of focusing on the 70%, I want to ask that 30%. What did you do? <laughs> like what? I, I want to be that 31st percent, if that makes sense. I, like there's so much focus on the wrong things. And that's right. why when you have representatives of black people in power, ironically, things get worse. Obama's the, you know, arguably, not arguably, he was a terrible president because, and black people, what, 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 what great things 
or what breakthroughs came about for his so-called group? Not none that I, I mean, you will know better than me. You can please explain some, but there wasn't, my, my main point is we're still complaining about the exact same things after such a milestone was reached because what right. happens is you have the representation, which is what you think you wanted. I remember when he won, people were in tears. You know, right. it was such a, he was like a, a messiah for the black community and nothing much happened because you, you leave other things undone that should be, that you should be focusing on and you focusing on things that will not make a difference in your life. I was thinking while you were speaking about that, I was thinking it's like, let's say I have cancer, God forbid. And the primary reason I have cancer is because I am a smoker. Mm-hmm. But I keep trying to change the system and saying, well, everyone else should stop smoking around me because the secondhand smoke killing me. So I'm <laughs> focusing on the wrong things without, without looking within at the problems, at things that I can do to heal myself. And black people, you know, I'm, I know I'm over over generalizing, but I see the same pattern. They're yeah. focusing and focusing on things that mean absolutely nothing. I recently spoke about anti-lynching laws that, you know, is such a, it needs to happen. America's still racist. There's no bill that you can't lynch black people. What the hell? Like, you, <laughs> if you kill someone by hanging them on a tree, cutting them with a knife, throwing a phone at them, it's murder. You go to prison if you can prove intent. Why, why are you focusing your energies on the wrong things is what I'm saying. So. Yeah, it, it's just like we have, you know, they keep wanting to increase uh, hate law. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Um, was it hate crimes? Yes. You know, saying, you know, this is a hate crime. Well, murder is a hate crime. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you look like. Uh, it doesn't make it better or worse if the person looked different than you or if they said nigger while they did it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't change anything. Uh, the person's still dead. Uh, you maybe, you know, the possible intention, but it doesn't change the outcome. The mm-hmm. outcome is still that someone has died because of it. Um, and trying to, trying to utilize more punishment doesn't, doesn't change it doesn't prevent people from doing it because most crime is passionate especially when we talk about murder most most murders are nobody's planning to do it for weeks ahead of time most murders happen quickly mm-hmm. and, and it, because it's an emotional thing um, and a lot of people regret doing it so you know to to think that you know someone kills someone else for whatever reason like it matters it doesn't matter the person's still dead. It, it really, it really doesn't matter. It's the same idea. If, if hate crime laws prevented hate crimes, then um, corporal punishment would stop murders. They don't. Yeah. People still murder. Texas kills everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People in Texas still murder people. Right. So you know that's not a valid prevention. Even though they know that there's a possibility I can end up on death row and I get killed, that doesn't stop them. It's not a prevention measure. Um, it's the same type of thing when it comes to hate, hate crime laws. And ultimately, it, it just really doesn't, it doesn't even matter, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. The aim of the conversations I have is to show that not all Black people think the same. 
I hope you enjoyed the conversation so far. We do continue the conversation where I explore some specific parts of his book. You can get exclusive access to it. Um, thank you for the support. We have to keep having these conversations. We have to keep questioning the narrative. We have to keep moving forward, moving towards unity. So thank you for the support again. I hope to see you in the next one. Well, I won't see you, but you will see me. And we can chat in the comment section. Any thoughts, any ideas, any questions you may have. You can also connect with me on social media at Different Voice X. Different Voice X is how you will find me. And I'm looking forward to keep having more conversations. Thank you. Until next time.